0: And welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor, and I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week we will be discussing Nordic Noir, specifically the Netflix series Marcella and Fallet, and we're also talking about the new Taylor Swift album Folklore. And as a reminder, as
1: we approach the one-year anniversary of our show, we're still conducting a survey to find out what you want to hear more of as we enter year two
0: you too. That's crazy. I know. The link to the survey is in our show notes, and we'll also have it available as a link on our Twitter account, Pause Pop Podcast.
1: All right. Today, the first thing we want to talk about is Nordic noir. So as the resident fact person, <laughs> what, <laughs> can you explain Nordic noir a little bit?
0: Sure. So this is also known as Scandinavian noir, and it's a genre of crime fiction. It's usually written from the police point of view, and it's set in one of the Scandinavian or Nordic countries, but some of the ones I'm specifically going to be mentioning, Marcella is one that is actually, takes place and is made in England, so it's not technically made in one of the Nordic countries, but it's more that Nordic noir is a sensibility, it's it's kind of gone beyond its original geographically nordic roots and has branched out into other countries and it retains the sensibility though of of a thing that would be set in a place like sweden or denmark yeah. sweden finland netherlands yeah and one of the most famous pieces of nordic noir is uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo and its sequels which are written by stieg Larsson. those were made into popular films and and whatnot And in the US, one of the more famous Nordic noir TV shows was The Killing, which was on AMC 2011 to 2014. There's certain like tenets that a Nordic noir piece has, this could be a novel, it could be a film, it could be a TV show. Mostly it's taking from the point of view of the police, not so much the perpetrator of the crime. And there's often a very bleak atmosphere. The police detectives are themselves not infallible people. They're very, like, broken in some way, downtrodden. They have their own secrets and stuff. It usually has to do with a murder case or a serial murderer. And it's a little bit, like, you could almost say that this this type of crime fiction is the complete opposite of, like, a, a cozy mystery, which we talked about cozy mysteries a few weeks ago. So... It's very gritty, and I do want to mention one thing that I keep seeing as I'm reading about Nordic Noir as a technique is that it is, it features plain language and avoids metaphor. Interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if in, in any of your research that if you came across that bit of information, did you at all? Did you see that discussed? I, my
1: research was field research. Okay. So I... <laughs> So I've been reading books and that that tracks with what I've been reading. Okay, but I didn't specifically, like, I don't think I would have noticed that if you had not brought it up.
0: Yeah, well, I do want to mention, now I've my exposure to the genre is primarily through television series. I have not actually read a lot of the the literature of it. So that may be more present in the literature. I would argue though, that I don't know that it tracks in terms of the broader use of the word metaphor, like allegory and visual metaphor. I think that there is Mm -hmm. other types of metaphor in the filmed versions of this genre. So I, I did try to actually even do some scholarly reading about this topic, but there actually has not been a ton of scholarship written about it. There's been a lot of things in the popular press, but academics have not really studied it very much. So I would be interested to know if people really believe this thing about the lack of metaphor or if it's just something that maybe one journalist observed and then it kind of became sort of a meme almost in the popular press. Hmm. I feel like in in the shows that we're going to talk about today, especially Marcella, I I do think there's a lack of verbal metaphor, but I don't know that I would agree that there's no visual metaphor or or allegorical themes being discussed so we can get into that
1: okay yeah why don't you tell us a little bit about marcella
0: okay so marcella is a british nordic noir detective series and it's on netflix in the us it's on itv in the uk and there's three seasons of it it started in 2016 and it's continuing on and it takes place in london i have gotten through the first all of season 1 and through the first half of season two. I have not gotten to season three yet. And it stars Anna Friel as Marcella Bachlin. She's the protagonist, and she used to be a detective in the London Metropolitan Police. She was a stay-at-home mom for a few years, and she's coming back into the workforce when the series starts because there is a serial killer on the loose who had been killing when she was a detective previously. So she's coming back on the force to help the resurgence of this serial killer. But while she's starting her career back up again, her husband abruptly leaves her. And so she's suddenly dealing with the fallout of that, right, as she's dealing with this murder spree. And she herself also suffers from periodic blackouts. So she loses time sometimes. And there are moments when she herself is actually very worried. Not that she thinks she's the serial killer. But she starts to think that some of the cases that maybe copycats are actually things that she's a little uncertain if she's actually more involved in them than she thinks, Hmm. which is very, very interesting. And the cast is pretty sprawling and it changes over the course of the series. But some other actors in it that are a little bit noteworthy, Nicholas Pinnock plays her husband, Jason. Jamie Bamber from Battlestar Galactica plays another of the detective chief inspectors. And those are kind of the main people. But in season one, one of the big murders is this woman who works for a very, very wealthy development firm that Marcella's husband works for, too. This daughter of the, the owners of the company is killed, and it's made to look at least like the serial killer killed her. And it turns out that she's been having an affair with Marcella's husband, hmm. which is why Marcella is a little worried that she might be more involved than she thinks. So. Yeah, yeah. Anna Freel, The main thing that I am familiar with her from before Marcella is she was Chuck on Pushing Daisies. That's
1: right. I kind of yeah. forgot about that. That was a good show. She's a very good actress.
0: She is. And this is a complete turn from that. Like it's it's you know I could not be a more different character. Yeah. I really really liked the whole first season. The murder plot, the serial killer plot was really interesting. All the stuff going on with Marcella's mental health was really interesting. There's a lot of scenes. This is something that I have noticed in a lot of the, the Nordic noir, especially TV shows. It's always raining. It's just always <laughs> raining. She's caught in the rain a lot. It's just, it's she, poor thing. It's just really sad. <laughs> and people get murdered in really sort of gross ways. It's, it is a little bit gritty and a little bit real. And that's something that I noticed, especially from The Killing, which was, mm-hmm. I really loved The Killing and that took place in Seattle. So, of course, it was always raining there. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that's kind of one of the things that I noticed as well in my reading. I read one and a half books. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first book I chose, I chose because it had noir in the series title. So it's it's called Snare. And the subtitle mm-hmm. is Reykjavik Noir Trilogy. And okay. it's by Lilia sigardard Okay. Is my best guess. I am so sorry. And it's translated by Quentin Bates. And then I started reading The Ice Beneath Her Mm. by Camilla Grebe, translated by Elizabeth Clark Wessel. And I think that one, I'm pretty sure that one has been optioned for film. Oh, cool. Um, But we'll see. So the second one is more along the lines of what what you were talking about. It's from mostly from the police detective's point of view. There are... Multiple POVs in that, and one is a police detective. One is arguably the main character. Her name's Hanna, and she is a police profiler, mm-hmm. well, a uh, contract profiler. And then it's also from the point of view of a woman named Emma. Who I'm about halfway into the book, and I think she's the victim. She may not be. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> And then Snare is a little bit different, although it explicitly says that it's noir. It's it's less, it's not about policemen. It's about a woman named Sonia who Mm -hmm. finds herself kind of trapped in the drug trade in Iceland. And it's about her struggling to get out of it. But that one specifically is split into three different sections that are all like November to December and then December to January and then January to February or something. So it's really set right in that bleak heart of winter in Iceland, which I assume is very cold. <laughs> it's pretty
0: cold there, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what I figured. And the other one, it's a, it's set in Stockholm, but I don't exactly remember what season. But yeah, you just get the sense that everything is very bleak. They're wearing their heavy winter coats, and it's raining or snowing or sleeting. And I think the atmosphere is a big part of Nordic noir. Which is it's kind of cool. I like I like sort of the frigid, icy atmosphere of it. So atmosphere it plays a big part in in this genre.
0: Yeah. And so we both watched Fallit or Fallit. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's translates to the case, and that's a Swedish British spoof of Nordic Noir. <laughs> how many episodes of this okay. did you watch?
1: I, I watched the whole thing.
0: Oh, you watched the whole thing. Okay.
1: I guess you didn't really need to watch that, (laughs) but I thought it was cute. I actually started watching it because, I don't know, like Netflix is difficult for me. They don't have a lot of info on there. So I just assumed it was a normal detective show. And then I started watching it. I was like, this is really weird. (laughs) It's about a Swedish detective and an English detective who are both kind of bumbling and <laughs> they're not bad at their jobs, but... <laughs> no, but... They have they have issues that get in the way of their being good at their jobs. Yes. So the English dudes... Oh, I, I forget all their names. Sorry. Oh, I have
0: it. Adam Godley plays DCI Tom Brown and Lisa Henney plays Sophie Borg, who's the... She's the Swedish detective? Mm-hmm so i watched one episode of it and i the thing that i thought was hilarious was she's shown as bumbling because she she's trying to catch a killer who's been escaping and he ends up at the border between sweden finland and denmark yeah and like literally you see like a little fork in the road sign in this field and they're all like like discussing with each other whether they should be the one to apprehend this guy and she's told don't shoot to kill and so of course she immediately shoots him in the head
1: <laughs> well she doesn't mean to she's like it's going to be a thigh shot yes
0: yes yeah she's not a good shot the other thing that i thought was funny she and the british detective go to discuss the current case and they're at a pub and she's just like she downs a whole pint <laughs> in one swallow and he looks like this complete amateur and i just for some reason those two scenes i just thought were were pretty funny
1: yeah, it's got kind of this weird charm to it. Yeah. Adam Godley is is really kind of endearing yes. in a way. His character is older mm-hmm. and he's bumbling in the way that he like can't really close the case because he I think he has like social anxiety or he's just like trying to arrest someone and just not getting to the point. Not getting to the point.
0: Yeah. That actor, I gotta say, Adam Godley, for listeners, he played the sentient monkey on the umbrella academy and he's also on lodge 49 and this man looks like a human trophy he has these (laughs) comically large ears but he's also very cute like it's i just want to protect him he just seems like oh you poor thing you're just not you don't have it together and that's how all of his characters are so
1: (laughs) yeah that's basically how this is and i thought it was very interesting and compelling once i realized that oh i shouldn't i should not be taking this super seriously Mm -hmm. so if you're in the mood for something that is that has mystery and is sort of like nordic noir but you don't really want the bleakness and the depression that come with it i would definitely suggest this but it's not in nordic noir in the genre the same way all this other stuff is no
0: it's not and it's considered even though it is funny it's also considered somewhat of a like it's listed everywhere as a comedy drama so there are moments that are a little bit more about the mystery but but they're definitely sending that genre up a little bit and apparently showtime is making a remake of it which may involve less there are subtitles the thing that threw me about this was the subtitles run throughout regardless of what language it's in but the subtitles are in the target language so even the scenes that are in english have english subtitles on them and some of the characters are bilingual. So for me, I, I would almost prefer them to not use the subtitles in the English sections. I just find that personally distracting. But I'll give it another chance and see if I can get mm. past that.
1: Yeah, I did not notice that because I do watch a lot of things with subtitles anyway. So I think I just had them on and I thought it was normal.
0: Yeah, cool. So yeah, I think I'm gonna check more of this out. I think I may read one of those books. You should watch Marcella. I think you actually would really enjoy it. I think I would too. Yeah,
1: I, I will definitely give it a shot. Cool. Well, shifting gears a little bit. Swifting
0: gears. <laughs>
1: That's a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've been promising listeners this for a few weeks, so. We have, so we should do it. Yeah.
1: Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore, came out a few weeks ago. It dropped as a surprise,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and everyone was, well everyone was surprised and a lot of people were excited I was among those people yes yeah. but apparently this was her quarantine project which like puts all the rest of us to shame because yeah it was just like I'm here surviving <laughs> <laughs> and you're writing an entire album so thank you for that but no it's been it's been really fun to have new music come out from artists that I really really like so it has 16 tracks on the regular album there are some bonus tracks depending on where you get it I don't know how that stuff works But she collaborated with Aaron Desner, and he's from The National, which is a band that I really, really like. So he collaborated with her on, I think, 11 of the songs. Mm. She wrote some songs with Jack Antonoff. He's the lead singer of indie pop band Bleachers and a guitarist and drummer in the indie rock band Fun. I'm not super familiar with him, but that's okay. And then she has Bonnie Bear actually sing on one of the
0: one of the songs the bonnie Ver song is really that's one of my favorite tracks on it which we can get into the individual tracks and stuff in a little bit but i really like that one i don't really know him or i guess justin vernon is his real name but he's like a one person band quasi but i people kind of make fun of bonnie Ver as being so like oh that's the hipster thing but <laughs> that song actually was like oh i probably would actually really like that so i
1: don't know yeah he has some really good songs Outside of Taylor Swift.
0: I think you would like him. Yeah, I think I would too. I have to say that when I told our frequent guest, Rachel Porter, about this segment, she loves this album, but but she was like, there are no bops. And that's been my refrain when talking about it ever since. I really like it, but there are no bops. So
1: That's fair.
0: Do you agree or not? You want to disagree? I,
1: I agree that there are no bops, but I am not upset about it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, when she put out the album cover, which is like her from very far away, just in the middle of these giant trees, everyone was like, she's putting out a cottagecore album.
0: Cottagecore. Oh, do you think that it is? I don't know. Is that a real genre or is that a joke?
1: I think it's mostly a joke, Okay, but I'm not one of the kids anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it probably started out as a joke, but is less of a joke now and i wouldn't totally put it in that category either but what's interesting is when lover came out her 2019 album Mm -hmm. i liked it but i didn't love it and then i think on hulu there was a concert of her playing in paris Mm -hmm. playing songs from the album and they were mostly acoustic and i liked it a lot more than i liked the actual album so I was really excited for her to come out with something that was more stripped down mm-hmm. and actually less boppy, but I could see where people would be missing the box.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have not actually listened to Lover all the way through, but the "You Need to Calm Down" song is like one of my jams, and so there was no <laughs> there's no breakout song like that on this on this record, and that's fine. And the Cottagecore label, I did not hear that, and now if I put that in my head, I. I feel like, yes, if you know that going in, it will not disappoint because I think that is not a completely unfair way to look at it. I also, here's my other jokey thing of, it's really cool that Taylor Swift put out a Lana Del Rey record. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool, good for her.
1: That's a, that's a good one, too. So it's definitely a departure from what she has done in the past few albums. Mm-hmm. But I think if you do go in with open expectations hopefully you'll like it. Yeah, I, I know I did. So mm-hmm. do you have any tracks that you did really like? Do you oh, want to talk about your favorite tracks? Yes,
0: there's quite a few that I did like I, I do think, sadly, the one the one thing about it, I felt this way about the chicks album that we discussed a couple weeks ago too. Mm-hmm. I think it's too long. I think that interesting, there are a few tracks that I don't feel like really push the narrative forward. But the ones that I do like, Cardigan Cardigan is definitely the one where I was like, oh, that's a Lana Del Rey song. <laughs> but I felt that less when I watched the video of it because it is much more cottagecore. <laughs> Cardigan is beautiful. And I really, the thing I liked about it was that it's a sad love song without being so sad that I almost can't listen to it. There's a few pop or alternative rock sad songs that are actually hard for me to listen to like Hey There Delilah. Like I have a lot of trouble not listening to that and crying. Like like that's just too much. The AFI song Hey Winter, I also can hardly get through that song without crying. So even though that song is actually not sad, it's just poignant. So
1: well that's that's very interesting because Cardigan is one of my least favorites.
0: Oh my gosh, seriously? I <laughs> yeah see I, I listened to Cardigan multiple, multiple times. I watched the video a couple times. I thought it was beautiful. But maybe that's the thing is that I do like Lana Del Rey, who is the queen of gloom. And so it's not as sad as some of her songs. And I just thought it was lovely. It was very sweet and real. And I don't know, but I can see why. What did you not like about it? Well, I actually
1: watched the video when it came out, like at midnight that night. And I think it was probably just the atmosphere of like not knowing what to expect from this new album that I only found out about a couple hours ago mm-hmm. and it being pretty late in the night. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it just wasn't what I expected. And I I think the instrumentation was kind of what oh. I didn't love about it. Okay, I mean, I've listened to it since and I like it more. It's just not one of, to me, it's not the standout song, which is fine. That's I just fun. found it interesting that you it's high up on your list for you and and low down on on my list.
0: Yeah, it's very it's probably my favorite track on that album. I like also The Last Great American Dynasty, which is the story of Rebecca Harkness who Taylor bought her old house, and that was a neat story song and I just thought that was very almost going back to more of her country and folk roots, which makes sense given what the album is called. I think this is some a way of her of her exploring the folk side of country without it being a country album at all because it's very much not yeah and so a song like that which is also a very feminist song equating herself with this figure of proto-feminism I thought that was very cool I mentioned Exile with Bonnie there but then the other song that I well there's a lot of songs that I do like so it's it would be too much to keep going but the other one I do want to mention is Betty which, yes, there's three songs that are linked by being about the same love triangle. It's a totally fictional love triangle Cardigan, August, and Betty. And Betty is the one that is from the point of view of the boy in the love triangle. And it took me a while to figure that out. I was watching the lyric video of that and I was like, wait, I don't remember when I just listened to it without reading the words along with it. I was like, wait, did she say her name is James? Like, what the heck? And so that <laughs> took me a little bit to figure out. But that's a really interesting technique. And I, Wouldn't have thought to do that. And it's interesting that Cardigan, August, and Betty are sort of equidistant on the track listing. So -hmm. you get songs that aren't about that in between, but then toward the end of the album, you get like the final POV of the story. So
1: yeah, I really like that one a lot too. And I think I think I started to like Cardigan more after I found that out. Okay. And then it made a little bit more sense to me. Betty is one of the ones that I find super, super catchy. Maybe not quite a bop, but it's very catchy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not a bop. It is catchy.
1: Also, she gets to say the F word.
0: Yeah, that was a little... I was kind of surprised because she doesn't usually do that. But that was interesting. And I think women don't always consider writing from a male POV in music, especially. So I think we do in prose. You kind of... If you have a cast of characters, you end up having to. But I think it's an interesting technique to do that in music. Or yeah. in a in a poetic lyrical form, whatever form that is. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And yeah, I also I mean I also like Mirrorball and Mad Woman a lot and some of the others. But what were some of your other favorite tracks?
1: I really liked Mad Woman. I think that's my favorite on the album. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's tied with Betty. Okay. <laughs> I like them in different ways though. Betty, I like because I like memorize the chorus really really fast. So now I can just <laughs> sing along to it, and it's fun to sing too. Mm-hmm. And Mad Woman, I like because of the message. Yeah, I really like when she writes songs about you know existing as a woman in the world and how there is this double standard. Just the choruses, there's nothing like a Mad Woman. What a shame she went mad. No one likes a Mad Woman. You made her like that. Yeah, it's this very like cyclical relationship between women and society where mm-hmm. um, we get angry. About society, and then society kind of turns that anger against us and mm-hmm. and makes it worse. So, yeah, I really like that song a lot. And the thing that I not enjoy about it, but the thing that I find interesting about it is it's not an angry-sounding song, really. Yeah. It's, it's pretty mellow and chill. Yeah. But the, the lyrics are pretty poignant. Yeah. I also liked Seven a lot. hmm And I liked... I like the I liked all the ones that you mentioned, so I won't mention those. Mm-hmm. One of my other favorites is "Peace," mm-hmm. and I can't really explain why I like I do like the chorus in it, but it's it's kind of about a tenuous relationship in which she's like, "I'll give you all of these things, but will it be enough if I could never give you peace?" And it just kind of makes it's thought provoking to me. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, generally all around, I like it. I thought your complaint about it was going to be that some of the songs
0: sound a little bit samey. They do. And I think that's my reason of saying that it's too long of an album. Mm-hmm. Because I think some of the songs that do feel a little samey, maybe some of those could have been better used as B-sides for some of the singles. But I think it's I think she's trying to evoke a mood. And mm-hmm. since we're in the age where your record can be as long as you want to a certain yeah. degree, so... I think there is a temptation to not worry about things like B-sides which I think is a much more 90s and earlier phenomenon but some of my favorite artists back then would put out CD singles that had really good extra tracks on them and serious fans really liked those kinds of tracks so <laughs> serious fans serious fans <laughs> so I'm sure that some of these middling tracks are things that I am I would consider myself a medium level Taylor Swift fan. I like her. She puts out so much stuff that it's it's a little overwhelming. So there are there are definitely gonna be tracks on this that I still listen to months and years down the road, but some of them I may not go back to as much. Because I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm not the giant Swifty. I but I I have so many friends who are and I and I think that she is phenomenal and I think she only gets better as an artist. So Yeah. I was excited about this drop. I think it's great and I think I think, too, we have to think about the fact that this is very much, again, a story-driven album, and that she's writing this during a period of worldwide isolation, yeah. and it's going to always, I think, be viewed through that lens. So this mm. makes sense that it would sound like this.
1: Yeah. And I I was going to mention that B-sides are kind of nothing anymore. Sorry. That's okay. Uh... <laughs> Because I am sort of of the opposite opinion. I want longer albums. Oh, okay. That way I feel like, like the more songs there are, the more chances that I'll have to like more of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there are a ton of albums that I love every single song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm always like a pick and choose kind of person. Yeah. That's why I like longer albums.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can definitely see why he wouldn't. But again, I think it's just moving that way because now... Like you don't even have to, you don't have to buy albums. You can just listen on Spotify Mm -hmm. or, you know, all 16 tracks are out there to download. But if you only like three songs, then you only have to download three tracks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the versatility of digital music is very, very cool, but I can see why you would miss B-sides.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, the funny thing is that I buy even fewer physical albums these days than you do and yeah. i'm a huge fan of streaming music i love it it's like really improved my music discovery game it makes everything very accessible i think it's great and i do still collect vinyl you know but i don't buy cd's anymore even though i used to i have a bunch but i haven't bought a new cd in oh my gosh at least 4 years probably even longer
1: wow that's wild yeah
0: isn't that weird and yet i am such like especially when i was younger like, I'm a huge music geek. Like, I really, really love music, and I used to love to collect physical music, and now I'm just like, er, oh, if it's not on Spotify, I don't even know if I want to seek it out. It's too hard. <laughs> if it's
1: not on Spotify, it does not exist. It does not exist, which
0: is a real pity, because there are a ton of great albums that are just not on there. But but it's also like, if I if I own an album, I own the physical copy of it, and if it's not on Spotify, it's like, ugh, do I? I don't know if I need to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the way up and it's upstairs i can't (laughs) (laughs) wow i know Um,
1: do you have the paid version of spotify i do yes okay that makes a little bit more sense because i always get annoyed by the commercials oh
0: well heck yeah i i have the paid version of spotify i have free version of pandora and i will still occasionally listen to pandora but as soon as an ad shows up i'm like oh no (laughs) no And I got the paid version of Spotify partly because I was getting very sick of the ads, but also because overall, I used to buy so much music that it really made more financial sense to just get a streaming service for it because I used to have a two hour commute. So like Mm -hmm. being able to download it onto my phone on the paid version is a very good thing and no ads. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I realized that CDs are not super, oh, what's the word?
0: Cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fine. Yeah, cool. Super cool. But I, I maintain that there is as much music as you could put on your phone. I don't think there's anything like popping an actual CD in the CD player for the first time mm-hmm. and just driving throughout the whole album Yeah. as you listen to it for the first time. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, I will still probably keep buying CDs, especially of artists that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say that I think I'm pretty much where you are. I'm sort of a medium Taylor Swift fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I've always really liked her songwriting. I've always thought she has been a very good songwriter. And it's easy to see that she's improving and is branching out and experimenting, which is always exciting. Yeah. So I do agree that this is a lot more story-driven than her previous albums, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that even with artists that I do love... I don't tend to listen to the albums all the way through, Mm -hmm. unless I'm in the car or something. Yeah, But this one, I feel like this album is one that I could put on. And it's really nice, like, background music. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. It's mood music. It's like, it gives you a chill mood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that artists who like to reinvent their style are smart, because then your fans can have a whole album of your stuff for whatever mood they're in. I will often make playlists of artists that I like based on if they've got like a little run of albums that are of a particular era and I feel like, you know, I really want to listen to the 90s whoever and <laughs> three of those records are really similar. I'll just make a little playlist of just that, you know. And I think with this one, I almost think you could put this with Red and have, you know, your your story song Taylor Swift playlist. I remember that I listened to Red all the way through while driving to go to a retreat and I didn't have any other music with me and it was very appropriate, you know? Cool. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we both liked it. Yeah. I personally would recommend it to listeners.
0: I would too. I would too. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. No bops though, Rachel.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Sorry, Rachel. I think of all of them. The one is kind of a bop. It is a little bit. It's got that. It's got that kind of head head bopping. It's the baby bop. <laughs> it's a ba- There you go. It's a baby bop. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we are going to be talking about the reality show Selling Sunset and the fantasy novel series Daughters of the Storm and Sisters of the Fire by Kim Wilkins, and we will also be watching the pilot of the '80s sitcom
0: Double Trouble. <laughs> Our theme music is by Joseph McDade.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor
1: Writer, And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast, where you can also find the link to our listener survey.
0: If you want to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com.
1: Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.